we could go together, Morgan. Censored cinephiles fans, the moment you've all been waiting for, the review of the ninth gate. I'm here with lovely Bianca, and we're going to be getting into the Roman Polanski film, The Ninth Gate, starring Johnny Depp. So, Bianca, this movie was hammered by film critics. What did you think of it? Um, I really enjoyed it, actually. I think I enjoy it. Um, it's better on a rewatch. Like a the first time I watched a movie, I wasn't particularly, um, I don't know, wowed by it. I think I had some like issues. I found it like a bit weird, a bit strange. I didn't know what genre it really fell into. Um, I found like Johnny Depp's character like didn't seem very proactive. He's it's a very it's it's like the most um straight man performance from Johnny Depp he's ever done like he's not overreacting he's just kind of like there's none of this like Jack Sparrow mad hatter Johnny Depp that we've seen in his like later films mm -hmm. this is a very subdued performance from him and at first it's kind of you don't know how to necessarily react to it and then of course it has that weird ending to the movie which is it's a it's a film that is very uh, when you watch it at first it thing feels very silly and um it's almost like it's hard to take seriously but then when you start re-watching the movie and analyzing everything and you sort of know more about the outcome of the film uh, I think you begin to enjoy it a lot more yeah so definitely. I'm I'm not surprised that critics um were I reacted so negatively towards it but um it did really well at the box office um so the public seemed to really respond to this movie quite well and I, I there was We've had quite a few people on on Twitter who 
have actually said they really like it and consider it one of their favourite films. So mm. um, I think it's got more love from the public because what do critics know? You know, yeah, nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's actually one of my favourite films because it shows like the inner workings of the you know the power structure but it does it in a way that's more spiritual than eyes wide shut which came out the same year mm. so eyes wide shut was much more of a look at the the cult and their uh intelligence network so like you have like the people following him around you have mm. like the chinese shop guys with the, the young girl <laughs> like it's much more about like the network and like the rules of the network mm. whereas this one's far more of a look into what their actual belief system is and i think the ninth gate's almost like a modern day telling of dante's inferno um mm but in a different sort of way. It's like the apotheosis of man. Um, and the interesting thing I wanted to ask you is when did Johnny Depp's career like take off and become like this huge career? Was it after this movie? I believe it was where he had all the pirates films and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, he's, it's interesting. Like there was like that period where he had, he was like into sort of more indie sort of very like low budget movies and um, and then suddenly like he in the 90s him it's kind of like him and leo you know uh, leonardo DiCaprio, like they all sort of start their careers sort of, sort of taking off and brad pitt they all had that sort of like massive explosion um I mean, I'm trying to think what Johnny Depp had been in prior to this movie. Because I read this movie, uh, I read up about this movie, and apparently he, like, uh, took a pay cut to be on this movie, and his his usual fee was, like, 10 million. So he must have been in bigger pictures before this one to be earning, to be able to have, like, a paycheck of 10 million. So, but I don't know what it was that he was in. Because... I was thinking he, he then did what from hell after this mm -hmm. and then did the pirates movies and then when did he do sleepy hollow that was him right oh that was in 99 yeah same year yeah yeah and there's a lot of the same symbolism in sleepy mm. hollow that you see in this film yeah right. it's interesting that is interesting yeah it's um i see there's like a recurring thing about like why 99 is like the best year of a film. Like, <laughs> Isn't it yeah. strange? Yeah, like all of these movies sort of like came out in that year. So it's great. It's almost like the pinnacle of human civilization was 1999. And then since then, it's all been downhill. <laughs> yeah. Which was since talked about in The Matrix as well, if you remember. Yeah, since we got what like social media then everything's gone downhill. The launch of the iPhone was that, you know, the end. <laughs> yeah. But so, talking, talking about ends and everything, um, what do you, I wanted to, I know we haven't even begun really discussing the movie, mm -hmm. but how do you interpret the ending to this film? Okay, so... I think the ending is best described by the panels and like how they all lead mm. to the ending moment, which is, um, so you have to remember that this movie was made by Roman Polanski, which I'm sure you know, mm. and he's one of these evil um, Hollywood child people, right? He's done horrible things with children and stuff. Mm. And I think he's portraying their belief system which is uh, if you follow the path of Lucifer, you can free yourself from this reality and become like God being immortal, which is the original lie of the serpent. But in this movie, they're bringing you on that path as you sort of follow along with Johnny Depp. Mm. 
Hmm. And you're more going for a ride than like the main character is not really doing anything. He's just kind of like being taken along on this journey that he's sort hmm. of being guided on. It's by... like somebody else pulling the strings. Yeah, like every time like something happens, it's like sort of connected to like either the redheaded girl that's like at the end of the film with the fire behind her like you are now um or you know these other people that are trying to do the 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 path but the wrong way so like johnny depp is going along the path in like a spiritual way he's having a spiritual enlightenment where everyone else is trying to attain materialistic wealth and power in this realm and that's like the difference between Depp and the other characters in the film right mm -hmm. so the end it's showing you the Luciferian like the castle represents our reality which is why it has the four towers so it's like representing the four seasons the four elements all this so when he breaks through the tower at the end and this is obviously full of spoilers he walks into the light of Lucifer achieving immortality and breaking free of this realm which is all freemasonic uh teachings right that they're showing you yeah what did you think happened at the end that's <laughs> uh i don't think like i think uh none of the movie actually happens i think it's all like a dream because he gets knocked out at the very beginning of the movie by that witch woman uh the, the woman who's the widow mm -hmm. um and that's my theory it's not, not no i'm only joking um okay. i was like that's an interesting <laughs> take <laughs> i could that could be what well, yeah it could be something that you could argue um i do feel like yeah that um he's Johnny Depp's just a vessel and he's just been used this whole time to bring about the end and uh, I wonder that the the girl in the movie um I wonder whether she she is actually um Lucifer mm. just because like people said that there's different very theories on things like oh she's just a sort of a witch or she might be like the horror of Babylon, but I, I feel like she, uh, I think she is just Lucifer who is using Johnny Depp as just a, you know, a sperm bank. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and, uh, you know, um, ultimately that's why his character is so, um, passive and just used by so many people is to indicate that that's all the, the only good that he is he has no other purpose so i think that and maybe you could just say that the ending the scene is um i don't know whether it's like it's interesting because it's like that white light and it looks if you didn't know the rest of the movie you would think it was maybe him he's obviously transcending to something greater but if you didn't know the rest of the movie you would think it he was going to like a heavenly plane mm -hmm. you know so it's yeah yeah so i don't know it's like i say it's like a movie that initially i wasn't too um I wasn't too too impressed with it, but now I've rewatched it. I, I I think it's interesting. Like the whole, there's so much comedy in the movie, mm -hmm. and it's like okay, because it, it's clearly made by somebody who finds the whole thing just amusing, yeah. but and wants to make fun out of it. But sometimes like. Uh, when you mentioned about like the court jester mm -hmm. being the only one really to be able to sort of like remind like the king or the lord or whoever um, that they were mortal, I feel like maybe that's the role that Roman Polanski is taking on with this mm -hmm. movie is yeah. to 
maybe he's trying to put people in their place. I don't know. Yeah. Not everyone shares the same fate is what he's trying to remind the mm. people throughout the movie. So mm. like the king and the beggar share the same fate, but the jester was able to escape the maze. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like it's not about wealth or power. It's about spiritual enlightenment. And like the one that was like Depp is sort of like taking it all on as the jester. And he's just sort of going through the maze. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so ultimately I wrote in my, my notes that I was keeping that um, Corso, which is, um, Johnny's character, Johnny Depp's character. Uh, he doesn't fight the evil. He he ultimately becomes the evil. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's like that moment where I wondered, like he. So, I feel like we should have done a synopsis before we did, like started this discussion. So, before we sort of get any further, did you want to explain the film to people who? <laughs> might not be familiar with the movie although i'm a bit like if you're not you're not familiar with the movie why did you click on this tour <laughs> yeah i think you should have seen the movie already before coming to this review so. <laughs> but yeah, yeah i mean i can explain do you want me to run through like uh the basic premise or do you want me to run through the panels that's sure okay shall i sum up the movie and you can yeah. tell me you can tell me whether I'm interpreting this all correctly. Yeah, why don't you run through <laughs> your summary and then I'll run through my analysis of the panels that are in the okay. movie. Okay. So there's a character called Dean Corso, who is played by Johnny Depp. And he is a... It's a great name, by the way. It is a great name. Did you know, <laughs> did you know Cor- Corso, I wrote in my notes, is uh, means run. Yes. So his name literally means run, yeah. which is funny because in this movie he spends a lot of time running yes. around doing stuff. It's so definitely he is... intentional. <laughs> yes. Um, so basically he is uh, he's like a book detective. So mm-hmm. that's what he's described as. So he um, finds rare books and um sells them on for people uh he's a bit he swindles people when we first meet him um he sort of like (laughs) takes there's that wonderful scene where he's like the this elderly man who's must have dementia or alzheimer's and his awful offspring are just going through his books and selling them off and johnny depp sort of like realize that these people are clueless and manages to you know snatch up um a four volume collection of Don Quixote which is you know extremely rare um so that's his character so we know like from the very start that he doesn't really have any morals he's he's all about money he doesn't really have a background we don't know anything about his history uh, he's very much like a straight man in terms of like mm, tells it as it is when he meets um, uh, Balkan. Yeah, Balkan. Balkan, yeah. Balkan, who wants him to find a super rare book, and the book's title is what's the book's title? Uh, the Kingdoms of the Nine Shadows. Yeah, yeah, which is this book which is supposed to be, you know, used to summon the devil because it's also being written partly by the devil. Uh, He was ghostwriting, maybe actually ghostwriting, like physically ghostwriting. Do you know this is this book that's in the movies based on a real book in real life? Yeah, it mustn't be that famous because I've not heard of it. It's not like Harry Potter or you know, Fifty Shades of Grey or the Twilight books, so <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Uh, <laughs> must have got to, like, the New Yorker's, like, bestseller list, because it clearly isn't, you know, no one's talking about it. 
<laughs> so there's this book which uh Balkan has a copy of and he's um he's like very open about the fact that he's worships Satan. So like, yeah. yeah. So it's... just so people know the book that this thing is based on, the the nine shadows of gates or whatever. There's a book called the Codex Giga, G-I-G-A, which is known as the Devil's Bible. Right? That sounds, do you know, the Codex Giga sounds like someone who makes like dubstep or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a very, it's I hear, not I really good. the whole breakdown of satanic mm. music, but I'm not going to go there today. <laughs> well, it's not a very catchy title, if you ask me. It's, no, you know, no. No. Anyway, so he tasks Johnny Depp's character to go find the other two copies to see whether Balkans, Balkan, whatever his name, uh, see if his copy is authentic or not. And then, oh, I forgot to mention, at the very start of the movie, there's a guy, an old guy who commits suicide, um, Telfer. And it's his copy that uh, Balkan has managed to obtain. He says he sold it to him, but we never see that transition, mm -hmm. transaction take place. And he has a crazy widow who wants the book back and literally does an Amber Heard on Johnny Depp. So Yeah, yeah there's a whole Amber Heard Johnny Depp scene in the film, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's like the classic femme fatale type of role so she's like trying to seduce him it's like a wonderful line where she was like uh don't fuck with me and then he's like i've already did <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I thought I, already, I thought we already did or something yeah yeah he literally <laughs> goes and attacks him with his pants down around yeah. his ankles uh she's so she's like got her guy following johnny depp um he's goes to europe um after like you know being persuaded to go and find these other two copies and then he meets this strange girl with green eyes who may or may not be a witch or the de devil we don't oh, yeah. know it's oh, not who knows, <laughs> who knows? But she's definitely um strange she just you know she's not not particularly like normal her eyes change no. weird colors um she has a strange accent um she answers questions in a very particular um interesting manner yeah yeah very odd anyway like uh, are you a traveler yes are you a student yes yeah but what are you a student of she never says no, exactly. And she, he's like, how long have you been traveling? And she's just like, ages. Mm. Like a really know, long time, really long time. Yeah. So anyway, it goes to Europe and all sorts of stuff happen. I don't want to really give the way too much of the movie. but No, we're, we're already past that. We've already talked about the end. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Basically, yeah, with uh, like Satan worshipping cults are involved. Um, people get murdered. Johnny Depp kind of loses his mind, I think, you know, in this movie. He, is, he has a rough time, basically. Mm. Like, and then um, movie ends with a, a crazy sex scene and a castle on fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you're now depicting now. It's almost, you're yeah, almost yeah. the girl with the fire behind you now, so. Yeah, that was a trippy scene, wasn't it? I felt... You know, poor, poor Johnny Depp, like, he has two sex scenes in that movie, and they're both with, like, demonic women. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, method acting there, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But what do you think, so at the end, when he's mm. he's going back into, and he's ha he's having sex with the girl, what do you think that represents before I break down everything? Um, always use protection. <laughs> always use protection. 
<laughs> so it's my so it's my like um yeah, yeah okay well i i'm being serious uh um uh, i read something i watched these really great videos i just want to give this person a shout out they're called synergy mm-hmm. and i over on youtube and they've done quite a few video breakdowns of uh the ninth gate so i really highly recommend people checking out their videos but they were talking about like this idea of the whore of babylon that that's what yes the girl with the green eyes is representing exactly Um, yeah but is that what you you found yeah because that ending scene Mm -hmm. is uh a depiction of saint john's apocalypse right it's it's literally described in the bible like they took that scene from that movie with the city of flame and the horror babylon riding a beast with seven heads which represents the seven kabbalah tree of life right or or the seven deadly sins maybe maybe that as well she probably embodies both of those things and like what she represents is the divine feminine for the Luciferian occult. So she is like the mother goddess. She is like the source, right? She's like Mm. what they would call Gaia, mother Gaia, or like the earth goddess, right? She represents our reality and him coming back into that and like fornicating with that is what unlocks our reality, right? So he's unleashing the beast on earth, but he's transcending and achieving apotheosis afterwards. So like, if I can just quickly run through these to like better understand, let people better understand. So like the guy you mentioned, like I watched a bunch of his reviews and I thought they were good, but he was missing like what the actual occult believe in his breakdowns and he he missed the panels and what they really meant pretty badly um so if you read like luciferian texts and the free like freemasonic stuff from like the higher level people like albert pike basically what you come off with is this um and they depict this in video games like assassin's creed you're constantly on this path of apotheosis okay So in the panels, which are representing the entire movie, it starts out with silence is golden and they have the character doing the Freemasonic sign of silence. But why is that different to just a normal like that? Why is that? Because of the other stuff that's in the panels. So like it's, it's showing you that like they are definitely referencing the occult if you just took like an average person doing that, it might not mean that, but in this context of all the other stuff in the panels, like it's definitely, in my opinion, it's, and this is the thing with these types of things, it's always left up to interpretation. Mm -hmm. It's not like a hard set of facts. This is just symbolism and symbolism is left up to the level of your esoteric knowledge, right? So to- Basically my knowledge is not uh, like zero. So to the average person, they get the what's called the exoteric meaning of these things, mm. which means they just see a guy saying, be quiet, don't talk. But to yeah. the, uh, the esoteric mind, you know it's a Freemasonic sign being like, if you talk, you die. That's like oh, okay. part of it. So in the, the panels, the castle represents our reality, a prison made by God. So you have to understand the Freemasons think of god is like this creator that entrapped us in this reality like we're in a prison according to the luciferians and lucifer is who frees us from the prison he's the champion of humanity and that's why they call him the light bearer which is why it ends with johnny depp walking into the the light right so in the movie you can see there's two paths that people can follow you can either follow the left hand path which is once again a masonic thing and you can also follow the right-hand path, which is represented by the Andrea de Torquio images mm. in the movie, it, right? Yes, and he's the person who wrote the book, who was executed. Yeah, but he, he supposedly incorporated panels that were drawn by Lucifer himself. 
who's That's a very like, great artist, may I just add? Yeah, a very good medieval artist, Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. So yeah. if we go through, the first panel is the silence is golden one, the guy making the silence symbol, castles in the background. The difference between the Lucifer panel and the AT panel is the castle by AT has mm. four towers, which once again represents the four elements, the four dimensional like nature of our universe, right? And then the three towers, which was drawn by Lucifer, represents uh, the Holy Trinity. So mm. the difference is materialistic world, spiritualistic world. Mm. Which path are you going to take? right at the very beginning. And then the next one is open that, which is closed in the Torquia ones, which is the human guy who wrote the book. The keys are in the right hand and the one by Lucifer, the keys are in the left hand. So mm -hmm. the left hand path, once again, right? Are you going to take the left hand path? Yeah. And yeah. Masons, a lot of things use silver and gold keys to represent their beliefs. Okay. So once again, in the second panel, another reference to masonry, like blatant re reference. Also in that panel, the second panel is a dog, a black dog, which is representative of Plutarch's dog or the dog that accompanied Agrippa on Dante's Inferno. It represents Lucifer, Satan. You can see this in movies like The Omen, okay? Mm -hmm. mm. Interesting, yeah. All right, the next panel, The Lost World Keeps a Secret. It's a simple, once again, Masonic thing, which has arrows pointing down, arrows pointing up, which just represents as above, so below. And the panel is showing you that if you take the materialistic path across the bridge, you're not going to make it. Arrows will descend down on you from above. Like they're saying, the spiritual forces won't let you cross the bridge if you take the materialistic path. Okay. Next one is um, <clears throat> fate is not the same for all. So this is the one with the maze where the maze is bricked up. In, yeah, yeah. It's just really interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. So the maze is bricked up in Torquia's, but in Lucifer's, the maze has an exit. Mm. So if you're to take Lucifer's left-hand path through the maze, you can escape and, you know, enter the next reality. Um, and that's just how it works. And then he's, it's depicted as a jester which is, you know, as we talked about before, that's also a, a connection to the Jester Society of the Freemasons. And if you look at the dice on that page, it adds up the 666. Of so course one, it does. <laughs> and that's like a theme throughout the movie, right? Because Balkan's it, passwords yeah, are all 666 yeah. and all this. Yeah. So they keep showing you that. And why that's important is because in the Bible, when the beast rides the serpent, she comes into existence because she correctly identifies the number of the beast, which is 666, right? Mm -hmm. So in the Bible, before the, the redhead at the end rides the beast, that's, you know, she calls out the correct number of 666, right? Which is the number of the beast. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, then we have enriched by death. And I thought this one was really interesting because this is the one where the guy's hanging upside down. And in the Torquia ones, he's hanging by the right leg. In the Lucifer ones, once again, the left-hand path, hanging by the left leg. And I thought this was interesting because Roman Polanski's wife, when she was murdered by um, Charles Manson, was hung in this exact same Masonic pose. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and with that, it's once again, it's showing a warning for anyone that's taken the materialistic path. You're like, oh, you'll get hung. But anyone that's able to see the esoteric nature of the message would see that it's not a warning. It's showing you the transcendence into the next realm. That's why the guy's hair is not hanging down and he's smiling while being hung. Right. Yeah. Which is weird. Mm. <clears throat> the next one is seven devil out uh sorry disciple outshines the master and this is the one where the king and the beggar are playing at the chessboard it just represents that the king and the beggar will both die 
in the maze. Like they're both trapped in the castle and you see the dogs fighting in the background, which just represents our reality constantly fighting with itself. Um, and the castle walls, once again, represent like the thing that they're all stuck in. But it's just showing you like the beggar and the king suffer the same fate. The eighth panel, second to last one, is Virtue Lies Defeated. Um, there's no halo on the knight and the Torquia ones. Mm. And then the Lucifer panels, there's a halo on the knight. And then there's a damsel that is representing virtue, that is executing one and helping the other one transition to the next realm. So right. when yeah. you're looking at um, it from the Lucifer version, she's a guardian angel. When you're looking at it without the halo, it's an execution. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it shows once again, if you take one path, you make it, take the other path, you don't. And around the time they're showing this in the film, I think is when Balkan executes the, the witch lady. Mm. Right. <clears throat> and then the LCF panel is just showing you like there's a wheel in it, which represents fortune or fate. And it's it's making you on the path of being godlike from their perspective. And now the final panel, which is now now I know that darkness comes from light. And this, once again, is the Illuminati dualistic representation of reality. They think that, like, without darkness, you can't have light. Without evil, you can't have good. That's like the dualistic religion. So the scene comes from St. John's Apocalypse. It represents the final seal being broken, which shows the cities in flames. The whore of Babylon has come. She rides the beast with seven heads. She welcomes all because she's the sacred prostitute. She rides the beast, which represents the seven heads of Kabbalah, the tree of life. Lucifer to them is the champion of freedom. And he's the light bearer, which is akin to Odin and Prometheus and other stories. And what they're trying to show you is that if one follows the path of Lucifer, when they rebel, exercise freedom and take a risk to earn a different fate than what the commoner shares with the king, immortality and that's why death at the end is walking into his immortal next thing like he's achieved apotheosis by following the path of lucifer to freedom right oh, does that sort of make sense now yeah that's interesting that's hmm. i was thinking when you were a, a couple of points um when you mentioned the uh the left the the left hand the left path and like people who were left-handed were considered to be witches so like um so there's always been like this suspicion around people who use their left hand mm. that's always been something that's like being associated with the dark arts and black magic and everything um i did not know that it's interesting yeah well in when i went to edinburgh um they had an old water fountain where you would get your water from uh and people who were with le the left hand had to use a different side of the pump and they were kind of uh <laughs> like prejudiced against with that so they had to use like almost like a separate part of the water fountain to get their mm. water um and then other things um you mentioned about the black dog mm -hmm. i don't know whether this is just um uh, just something that might not be associated with it but depression is sometimes referred to as people's black dog mm. i don't know if you've ever heard of that but, no, uh, I think Winston Churchill famously described his depression as being his black dog. So I'm just interested to sort of like see the association between black dog and you know that side of things and depression and how that sort of connects. But notice, like what you were saying, like breaking down 
those engravings which are a major part of the movie the whole movie is you know it's not about what the contents of the book is and i think there's the wonderful scene where uh balcon comes into the ceremony where they're all gathering and they're just reading from the book and he's like mumbo jumbo mumbo jumbo jumbo because yeah. it's not it's the 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 secrets of like uh, the nine gates are not contained within the actual words of the book. The book could have just been that, you know, it's, we never, no one ever reads, like, you never have anyone reading passages from the book. Because no. it's not, it's not about that. It's about the engravings and mm-hmm. the differences between them. Um, and it's Johnny Depp who works that out, you know. These people have had, like, all the people who've had the copies of the books for years haven't worked that out so that's why it's interesting that he's ultimately what what like he has to go through some sort of test Mm -hmm. and then you know he's rewarded but probably not in a way that you know normal people would want to be rewarded yeah and and also Johnny Depp's character is kind of interesting because like even at the beginning of the movie they're showing you that he has specialized knowledge and he's not like your average citizen. He's above the average citizen. He can tell, like, he can talk back to Balkan. No one else does that. Everyone else kind of just like Mm. bends the knee to Balkan. But Johnny Depp's like very like, oh, I don't have to like you because you pay well. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't like give him the, the deference that everybody else does. He's almost like depicted as a jester throughout the entire movie because he's not really taking anything seriously. He's just kind of along for the ride, right? Yeah, yeah. And he also has no respect for anyone's like wealth or power throughout the movie, like the serpent lady and all that. Yeah, yeah. She's, um, he just doesn't seem that bothered by, he's not impressed by anything like you know goes to all of these places and it's like it's interesting when he goes to um visit the the first person uh, the elderly man whose wealth is just sort of like dried up Mm -hmm. like you know but he still clings on to his his book collection yeah it's, it's just this idea like i think it's also quite funny how the the cult is made up of like these old people yeah <laughs> we're just like it's not about it's like it's it's not like um about carrying out these like ceremonies it's it's just like to have some old old person orgy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. well i think the the depiction of the cult in this movie is very like accurate because I think like this inside, I do think this cult really does exist in real life. Like it, my followers all know, I talk about them all the time. I think in this one, which is differing from like Kubrick's depiction of them in Eyes Wide Shut, they're much more like powerful. The rituals are like more meaningful. In this one, they're exposed as like a bunch of rich people that think that their wealth and power come from being a part of this cult. Mm. So they're like just kind of a part of it because they think they have to be. And they do the the rituals and the sexual stuff just to like get off, right? And I think the truth probably lies somewhere in between. Like there probably are members of the group that actually believe in like the dualistic Freemasonic teachings. And then there's probably a good amount of them that are just there because they see it as their source of power and like wealth, right? Mm. So I think if you take both movies' depictions of the same exact thing, which came out the same year, you get a pretty accurate view of what the power structure in our world is. Hmm. It is interesting that both these movies came out at the same time. Like, uh, I wonder whether there was, I don't know, I might have to research into it. I wonder if there's like a crossover, whether maybe Kubrick and Polanski ever sort of like 
spoke, you know, or, or like how, like, it's just, but you have that though. There are sometimes like the same, similar sort of movies come out at the same time. I don't mm-hmm. know why. So, but, um, how long what, after Ninth Gate came out did Polanski have to run from the States? He's, and... he's, he's always been uh, on the run since like 1970, some 76 or something. So he made this movie while he was already hiding out in Europe from all the. Yeah, he's he'd been like uh, uh, established in Europe for like two decades or so. Do you want to know something that's in a bit weird? Uh, the girl in the movie, you know, the witch girl, is Roman Polanski's wife. Really? Yeah. At the time of the movie being made? They're still, ma- yeah, they're still married. They're still married? I believe so, yeah. And what happened to his first wife? Wasn't it Sharon Tate? Uh, I don't know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether she was, he might have been married prior to Sharon Tate. But yeah, um, that's obviously very strange and tragic circumstance that happened there. So I, I wonder whether in a way that this movie could possibly be him sort of um, using it maybe as like a way to deal with his trauma. Mm. I don't know. Some parts of it, maybe yeah yeah or maybe it's like his way of i mean if you watch like the series on sharon tate and charles manson on program to kill they did like a whole bunch of breakdowns of this Mm. maybe polanski saw this film as a way to in fictional form since you can't just come out and say these things to expose his view of the cult and their beliefs without actually telling everybody you know like everyone thinks eyes wide shut was kubrick's Mm. way of really exposing things maybe this was polanski's way of like well if you guys are going to kill my first wife i'll finally expose you like 20 years later yeah maybe it is interesting (laughs) um but yeah i just definitely think that there's um some very interesting creative decisions made here like the fact that um Johnny Depp's cast in this role in, in the same way that Tom Cruise was cast in Eyes Wide Shut, you know? Mm. Like, there's this like major Hollywood actor who's cast to work alongside, like, this legendary director in a role where, where they don't really have very much to do. Like, at least Johnny Depp's character is given a bit more to do here than Tom Cruise's character who is just sort of like you know <laughs> just wandering around the cities of New York meeting people and stuff whereas Johnny Depp's character is you know a little bit more action based here so I just think it's the, the comparisons between the two movies and the sort of creative decisions that were made I mean obviously if you want to get your movie a, a wide audience you're you know, you're going to cast, like, someone who's a major star. But, yeah. Uh, I, I just, the only thing, the only problem I really have with this movie is the music. I just, I, I still don't particularly like it. I think it's, like, a strange, like, it has that silliness to it in certain yeah. scenes, which are meant to be, like, sort of serious. Yeah. And then it's, like, this weird comical music yeah yeah but that's Depp's role right he's the jester right okay yeah Yeah. so they're they're trying to infuse like that comedic sort of tone because of that they're trying to keep it like you're watching a jester go through a maze right so that's yeah, why yeah. that's why I think they did the comedic tone. I mean, I agree with you that it doesn't necessarily match the movie. And so now you're like, well, why did they go with this weird sort of comedic background music? And I think that's probably probably why. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, 
I yeah, I kind of also think maybe it's like um the whole situation is so absurd and everything. It's like they do say like comedy is the best form of of therapy and like there are just some situations where you just find yourself laughing at like how over the top everything is and it's it's hard not to watch certain scenes and just find yourself laughing like the whole <laughs> the end scene where the ritual's taking place and Vulcan comes in and then like straight up murders somebody in front of all these people and they're so frightened about him and then all he has to do is go boo and like they're all scurrying away like you know yeah. But I mean, he, he, they're kind of showing what the occult are. Like if any one of us walked into one of their little like ritualistic things and did that, mm -hmm. they'd all freak out and run away too. Because like they're so used to hiding behind like their power and wealth and like this whole idea that they're so scary that no one mm -hmm. would just go in and like do that, right? No <laughs> one's ever probably done that in the history of their little group, you know? So to them, that was like, holy shit, you know? They yeah. don't have their little security guards between them and you know what's coming in, so it's kind of. What did you think of the character of Balkan? Anyway, I think what they're trying to show with Balkan is your typical um, banker that's like super obsessed with like the occult, but has like no friends and like is trying to achieve apotheosis by the acquisition of wealth and power. Right. Yes. I think it's very interesting like he's always lecturing in some sort of way like when we first are introduced to him he is um, giving off that lecture about um, medieval witches and witchcraft and everything and then he's always at any opportunity to sort of like lecture um, Corsos and um, you know establish that superiority he has over him mm -hmm. and everything's about money with him it's like just add another zero to your paycheck or you know you're going to be rewarded and even up until the end when he has obtained the nine engravings he, he's like to, to uh, you know just go back to new york your your check's waiting for you yeah yeah and I wanted to know, do you think when Johnny Depp kills him, because he's already on, on fire, he sets himself on fire believing that, you know, he's not going to feel anything, <laughs> which is kind of like, it's a, that moment where he's like, oh shit, actually, I'm on fire. <laughs> yeah. Because um, he missed, he, Balkan never understood mm. the what the panels were showing him which is it wasn't yeah. about achieving power in our realm it was about escaping our reality not mm. achieving power in it yeah well do, when johnny depp shoots him do you think he's like it's a mercy thing or do you think it's him taking revenge because he doesn't say anything he just sort of like you know goes back and to grab the the mm. engravings and then shoots shoots him so. I think he was doing it out of mercy, but it's also a blood sacrifice. Right. Okay. Right. So Depp, along the way to achieving apotheosis, he had to kill somebody. There had to mm. be a blood sacrifice made by Depp. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to tell you, I don't know if you knew this, but the the twins... You know, when he goes to visit, the first visit to, to Spain, I believe, to ask about the book that uh, Telfer mm. uh, brought. And they say, oh, it wasn't actually Telfer who was interested in the book. It was his wife. Mm -hmm. um, did you know that they're um, played by the same actor? What, both characters? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... Well, I didn't know they were not twins. I just assumed it was twins. Uh, also, at the end of the movie, when he goes back to the same bookshop and we discover the real engraving, mm -hmm. it's the same actor playing another set of twins. Really? Yeah, it's just kind of cool. 
That's strange, yeah. But like the the um the fairy ears are not meant to be twins, but doppelgangers. So um, a man and his doppelganger. Huh. Like, really but, odd. Uh, yeah, like there's like you say with this sort of like why why do you think they forged the final page? Um because it was all to set up Johnny Depp. It was all you to know. set up Johnny Depp? Yeah, like he wouldn't I don't I doubt Johnny Depp would have, you know, got all down and funky with the the green eyes girl if he knew that she was you know, she was depicted in the last panel. I think maybe he would be like yeah, maybe maybe we should use protection after all, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know because Johnny Depp towards the end, Balkan offers him all the money, hmm. and Depp's like, "No, I'm not after the money anymore." Like he was after the the secret of the panels. Yeah. So maybe he would have done it anyways because he. He was after it, like he wanted to see like where it all led. Um, maybe if he knew knew about it and went and did it willingly, or you know, uh, it wouldn't have worked. Maybe like he had to have that. Um, it had to. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't actually know. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one, isn't it? So, who who asked the um, oh, what were they called, Sencia brothers, to forge, to do the forgery? That's... I think they did it themselves, right? They maybe. I don't know. Or do you think the girl asked them to do it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I. My opinion is they were trying to keep people from achieving what was in the books like they intentionally forged the last one so that if anyone ever figured out the lcf panel thing that it would lead them to nothing because they wouldn't but what uh, so are they good people I, I think the brothers were good guys and they were trying to stop people from being able to use the book right uh, why not take out more than one engraving why you not yeah the others <laughs> i don't know yeah that's a good question so maybe you are right maybe it was a uh, like until someone achieves the first nine they don't get the <laughs> the last page yeah it's also weird because like there's clear reference to like the spiritual forces at play when mm. depth first goes to their bookshop because as he's leaving Remember all the stuff collapses behind them? Mm, yeah. There's like no people there. So like what caused the collapse of that scaffolding? I think as also that's kind of symbolic because there's no way back then. Like you say, like the, the he's passed the bridge. Like mm. he's got through to the other side now and that's collapsed. And now that's collapsed, he can't go, go back. Like his journey is like he's come too far already on his journey to go back. And also like who's making that fall? Like who's trying to prevent him from you know going further? Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've done a pretty good job of breaking yeah. this down. Yeah, yeah. it is well, there's still so much to sort of like I don't like it's a really interesting movie. I def definitely think it gets better on a rewatch. Um, yeah. I think it's um, a film that has... Uh, it's a much easier to watch in than Eyes Wide Shut, I think. Like, there's more some more entertainment towards it. Like, it's, an, it's a bit of... It sounds odd, but it's a bit of a warm... A warmer movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Eyes Wide Shut is very cold, it's very sort of like bleak. It's, you know, very, it's made by like a filmmaker who's very much about the method and everything. And, like, uh, I feel like there's a bit more flexibility with this movie, it's a bit more open and free in that regard, if that makes sense. Yeah.
So I think next we should probably do an eyes wide shut breakdown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And then maybe a, a comparison between the two films. Mm, yeah, I think so. I think so. that that would be, uh, yeah, that's going to be really interesting because okay, there's so definitely a lot of similarities. We already sort of like spoke briefly about them, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you, what would you say if you were to sort of like put this film into a genre? What genre would it fall in under? To me, I would put this into sci-fi. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's kind of science fictiony. Uh, I yeah, I was thinking it reminds me a lot of like the classic film noir movies. A natural mm. sort of like spin on it. Mm. Yeah. A film it, noir, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, what does that mean? <laughs> film noir is. <laughs> I do not know what film noir this is, is. This is why we have oh. the, the film expert on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the big sleep, like the Humphrey Bogart movies where he's like a detective, you know, the classic, like he's a down trodden detective he gets caught up in like solving a murder but the murder isn't like there's always like some sort of like conspiracy sort of element to it and there's always like a femme fatale like a beautiful woman who like seduces him you like dick um, tracy you're talking like those are that's yeah, a yeah. femme noir yeah okay a oh film noir. noir yeah sorry yeah, yeah yeah um you know like who framed roger rabbit who Fran? Okay, yeah, I, I can see that. It is a little bit of a film noir, yeah. So he's kind yeah. of a book detective, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Anyway. So, would you recommend this film for people to watch? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like even if you're not in, like, you don't buy the whole Freemason satanic symbolism thing. It is a lot of fun to watch. Like, it's it's kind of like a movie that um, you kind of want to watch it and then talk about it and discuss it with people. Uh, but it's not a movie that is necessarily going to make you feel. There's not. I mean, it's it's there's not like a lot too much violence in the movie I think by especially by like today's standards I do think you could sort of like I wouldn't say watch it with like your grandmother but you could watch you know watch it with like friends and family you know like in that regard and like it's a movie that uh, I think is definitely showcases Johnny Depp's ability to be an actor mm. like, I think this is probably one of his best performances and I really think the supporting cast are great as well like everybody plays their role like I kind of find like all the characters are so memorable and kind of it's kind of amusing and like it's a bit some of them are a bit over the top and a bit like panto you know like a pantomime type of thing like it's a bit silly but um, I don't think I think it's aged quite well as yeah. well yeah it's not a movie that's full of like dodgy special effects or anything so no. yeah i do i do recommend that yeah i i recommend it as well i recommend it to watch it with discernment right because okay. it's it's taking you on the path of lucifer but if you yeah. recognize it <laughs> and you use discernment as a christian it won't have a negative effect on you it'll have a enlightening effect where you it's just a movie yeah, you understand more of what the enemy believes. That's mm. what I would say. Well, it is just a movie. It's not meant to... It's just, if you just remember that they, these types of movies uh, are just and made to entertain people and make money at the end of the day. So that's what I just try and tell myself. Yeah. But then there's my version of it, which is there is no such thing as entertainment. It's all programming designed to bring you on the path of the 
satanic dark new world order <laughs> oh okay yeah yeah sure anyway uh roger ebert didn't like this movie i just thought i'd tell you oh, of course he didn't i give roger ebert a thumbs down whoa <laughs> we're way better movie reviewers than roger ebert or yeah. whoever his partner was back in the day greg siskel i think siskel and ebert yeah yeah siskel we're now the new gold standard of movie reviews, so. Oh, God. Society really has gone, gone downhill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I found I found that interesting, uh, a very interesting sort of uh, breakdown of the movie. Um, I really appreciated you sort of like going through the engravings. Um, I Hopefully we brought up some uh, interesting points um so if people do want to sort of like feed that back to us tell us what you think of the movie are you a fan of it uh do you think it's just like i think it's just a, some pure entertainment uh or do you side with titus on this one yeah so, let us know your theories too down below did we miss something did i miss something you know let us know what you all think <laughs> I, I love the feedback so yeah yeah, we do really appreciate it. So um, go check us out on your podcasts. Just type in uncensored cinephiles will pop up on Apple. Give us a review and a like and all that stuff so that other people can find the podcast. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And check out B's website, which is in their own league.com. In their own league.com. And check me out on Twitter, Imperator Truth. Okay. So thank you um, for watching and for listening and we hope to catch you up with you soon. Yeah. yeah. We'll be back with another episode soon. Make sure to like, subscribe and share. Goodbye, everybody. Okay, bye. Uh, 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 uh,